Welcome to the Antler Up Podcast, brought to you by Spartan Forge. Black Rifle Coffee Company is a veteran-owned coffee company serving premium coffee to people who love America. Fall is upon us, and there's no better way to get fueled up before hunt than with some Black Rifle Coffee. Coffee legitimately tastes better after a day in the woods or after a successful hunt. Fuel your next adventure and purchase at www.blackriflecoffee.com and use code ANTLER at checkout to save 20% off your purchase and or with your first coffee club subscription, Black Rifle Coffee. Last year was a wild year for censorship for hunters and anglers. We partnered with social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women by hunters and anglers just like you. Go Wild is a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged on Go Wild. And Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. Oh, and if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Visit and download GoWild.com to get started. Tethered is a team of saddle hunting fanatics with a passionate addiction to whitetail hunting. Designing and engineering products to be a more efficient and confident hunter, Tethered produces the most mobile, stealthy, and safest elevated hunting gear on the planet. Built by saddle hunters for the saddle hunter. Head over to tethernation.com to see for yourself what exactly I'm talking about. America's Best Bowstrings has been manufacturing high-quality custom bowstrings in the USA since 2006. America's Best Bowstrings strives on the commitment to never end the search for perfection, and this has been the driving force behind the company. Innovative products for every archer out there. Go create a custom set today at americasbestbowstrings.com. Our friends over at Half Rack just released some awesome gear and they were great enough to give our listeners 10% off their order. All you have to do is click on the link in the podcast bio or the link on our link tree on Instagram and that will give you your percentage off at checkout. So get some of the highest quality hunting and outdoor accessories that will help you prosper in the field. Half Rack is aiming to be mindful of the past, conservation conscious and evolve into the future. Forged in combat and tailored for hunters, Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly innovative and science-based products that save the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You can now take Spartan Forge with you wherever you go by downloading the mobile app. Enjoy deer prediction analysis, weather forecasts, historical data, detailed journaling, as well as crisp maps. It's time for you to make the most of your season and let Spartan Forge do that for you. Use code ANTLERUP to save 20%. Check it out over at spartanforge.ai. 
What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Antler Up Podcast. We are on episode 121, and on today's episode, Dimitri and I, we were joined by our good buddy, Aaron Hepler. Aaron has been on the podcast before, but you will also catch his awesome work on Exodus Outdoor Gear and From Truth From The Stand, where he penned some awesome, awesome articles. For this episode, we talk about a few different topics that include the shot process, wrapping up his postseason scouting, and then for a really a first for us, Aaron walks us through a specific spot on the uh, Spartan Forge hunting app for how he would scout it, areas to key in on, and possible hunting locations. To go along with this piece, though, however, follow along over on our website as Aaron contributed uh, a written piece with images, with figures, and areas that you could follow along as you listen to this episode. So go on over to antlerupoutdoors.com, go under our, our blog post, uh, which is labeled In the Field, and you'll see it right there. Follow along as Aaron explains how he would go and attack this piece. So I learned a lot in this episode. I hope you do too. Enjoy this fun episode, and thank you again, everybody, for tuning in. See you next week. Antler up. Yeah, we're live. So we had we had some people on and talking a little bit. I was asking them kind of like what ideas they would like to listen to. and Because I feel like Dimitri and I just said from now until mid-early, I'd say from now till the end of June, is it's kind of a hard time of like, what do you want to hear? Like, what do you want to cover? You know what I mean? So yeah. It's just good to ask people, you know, what what kind of imp- – I mean, because selfishly, we do this because they're topics that we are interested in or, you know, or we know people would like. So it's it's kind of one of those things you think about, what do I want to learn? And so now it's it's not always all about us. So we – you know, <laughs> what do people want to hear and listen to and tune in for? So that's what we want to cover. So if people you have any ideas or – People that you want to hear, I mean, we'll heck, I mean, we'll we'll try to send something out. No, someone's not too big, too small, or it don't matter. We'll have them on and or try to have them on, I guess, or her. Sure, but yeah, I mean, I heard you guys talking about the shot process, and that's like a really that's an awesome thing to talk about at these points in time, um, just because like what there's really not a lot to talk about in may yeah about deer i mean not i mean not you can talk about scouting and you know cameras and that kind of thing but you have that coming up anyway yeah. i think shot process is a good thing because not a, you know too many people think about it in uh august or september and then you you're missing some some valuable valuable shooting time at that point Dude, your vo- your voice sounds so good on that microphone headset you got going on. Oh yeah, it's all. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Well, and Springsteen. I <laughs> and I also think about the shop process is now's when you want to make those changes, mm-hmm. right? You don't want to try to come into August, September, and totally change what you're doing that close yeah. to the season. So just like anything, you want to give it time to practice and, and really hone that skill. So coming into May, things are getting better weather-wise and you're getting out there and shooting. Now, if there's any changes to that process you want to make, now's the time to do it. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, you 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 do leave yourself like a really a really wide window too when you start you know, really getting into your shot process of like getting into your own head by the time September rolls around. But hopefully if you start early enough, you work those kinks out. Yeah. 
Um, cause I've, I've, I've had a few years where, you know, like spring was busy and you know, I was shooting here and there, but not, not like I would want to. And then by September I'm like, Oh, I'm shooting great. And then, you know, one day I go out and I don't shoot good. And then that really screws you up. You have that one bad outing and you're like, um, mm-hmm. I can't shoot a deer at 20 yards right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, I'm not. I've made some hail Mary to sit like I bought new arrow, like completely different arrows in September before, but then you have to make a pretty calculated decision when you're doing that. Cause if you're going to do something that drastic or, you know, change your draw, like change the way your stance is, whatever that is, if you're going to do that, you have to know it's going to work. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's why I made it a real conscious effort. And I think that's where the 3d, helped a little bit for us shooting that a couple times and you know even now i've just been really practicing as much as i can with with my release and kind of dedicating myself to that back tension and all that stuff but no yeah that's a great topic i definitely think so we'll definitely write that down and josh even said listen to people scout never gets old and uh, yeah. some food plot and stuff so we'll, we'll have the guy from the domain on so let's let's get it going but that um joel turner is a really cool dude yeah um, he's got a lot of really great ideas. I've listened to a few of his things and his shot process is pretty awesome. Yeah. I, I, I'm a big fan of, of Joel's for sure. Yeah. He's, he's actually Very a PA, cool I think this weekend. Is he, is he, he's doing like that recurve, that trad bow thing. Right I don't now, know. Right? Yeah. I don't, yeah, but he is going to be, or he could have been, or he plans to be, he's going to be in like Washington PA area. And then he's doing another one in Lancaster. He has two okay. events going. Obviously, I can't because they're a baseball. I think weekend. he was at that elk shape. Yeah, yeah, he does. Went, right? Yeah, was, he he's really good friends with Dan, so he goes to all those events. Uh, okay. Wasn't seen, Mark Kenyon? Yeah, Mark's hanging out with him. Yep, working with him a little bit. Yep. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, dude's a uh, he's like the Jedi. He's like Master Yoda. Yeah, I was. I um, I listened to that podcast that Bo Martonic did with um. Uh, with all the guy like the Spartan Forge, yeah, and uh, Levi uh, Levi Morgan was talking about Joel Turner's process, you know, about going through you know the keys to the door and going through the different rooms and that kind of thing. And he did mention that um, that for him, he was very impressed by that. He started to use that that shot process, and for him, it works really great for like for dot shooting, but it did not work so well for him as far as 3d targets go. Mm. I imagine that, I mean, I've heard a couple of podcasts with Joel Turner and he shoots 3d. So I don't, yeah, I don't, I wouldn't imagine it's a problem for him, but I can understand where Levi is coming from. You know, if you're shooting 3d, you go around a turn and there's a, you know, something 60 yards, a leaf is blowing and it, you, there's different shadows and other things you have to account for. So, you know, there's just, there's a lot more. I think that when you're doing this is with anything in hunting or, or bow shooting, you can't just take one person's approach. You kind of might have to, you might have to take a couple people, put things together and make sure it's working for you, yeah. you know, take different elements. But that guy is obviously, like you say, he's a wizard at yeah. what he does. So yeah. Yeah. when I'd love to know if Levi Morgan ever gets buck fever, <laughs> <laughs> he does. I mean, he kind of mentioned. Did you listen to that podcast? I haven't had a chance. I've been so behind on all my podcasts. It's bizarre. Yeah, he 
the way it sounds like he might i mean i don't i can't i can't imagine it's like uh yours or mine would be but <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's cool well I, it takes a long time to 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 reel that in and i don't mm-hmm. i still get buck fever mm-hmm. but it's i i get buck fever a lot but i i usually can at least tone it down a little bit until after i kill something then i'm like then i lose it yeah. <laughs> i love it i love that I just, this is what I love because this is the one night a week where I just get fired up. Like I'm just like ready to just throw my first light gear on and like Mm -hmm. get out in the woods. You were just out shooting with your buddies, weren't you, over the weekend? Yeah, they were at my house. Um, You know, we just moved into a little little log cabin here. Oasis. Loving it. So yeah, there's there's a there's actually trees in my yard, so I can get into a saddle and and shoot out of a tree, and that's. I think that's a really, as far as for whitetails and and hunting goes, that's I think that's uh, pretty key to be able to shoot from an elevated position, mm-hmm. and you know not from the roof of your house or something like that. Like, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, Dimitri yeah. doesn't have that issue. You got trees all around you, state yeah. game lands and everything. But very cool. Everybody, so obviously we've been listening now for the last uh, just shy of ten minutes. This is Aaron Hepler. He's on again. A uh, good buddy of ours and uh, someone that I highly respect, uh, not only because of his hunting pedigree, but also just as a person, human being, and just had a chance to know him over these last couple months. Uh, but I'm going to toot his own horn a little bit, and I know I'm going to miss some things, but Aaron's not only a very successful uh, public land hunter and just I'm not only public land, but does private too as well, but just a, a darn good hunter. Uh doing tons of great things, writing uh, for all types of people, doing from for Clint over at Truth From The Stand, doing things for, for Chad and Jake and Cam over at Exodus Cameras. You've done things again in the past for BHA here in PA, and uh, what am I missing? I mean, as, as far as writing goes, I think, you know, that's that's pretty that much covers it. that covers yeah. it. But, man, you know your stuff. You put in the time and the effort and the success follows that. And I said to Dimitri, I don't know if you heard me, if I kind of let the cat out of the bag for how many miles you've already docked just because you and I chatted two days ago, but man, mm-hmm. let, let, let them know how many miles this past season. Cause you're up there. Cause I heard Ryan Galitsky, uh, who we had on the podcast a couple months ago. Uh, he was, I don't, I, don't, I could misquote him, but I, I know his goal was over two hundred miles mm-hmm. this year and i'm i'm sure he got it because it just seemed like every time i open up the phone <laughs> he's out there scouting i love that guy but where, yeah, where are you guy at is, he's a cool dude man. yeah i like that guy a yep lot. yep where, so where are you at aaron on on your uh postseason scouting so i if i so i've averaged out like all the days i've gone and stuff i, I actually i don't i don't keep track um but i i'm i'm guessing i'm well over i'm at least at 150 150 miles if if not you know in the 175 ish area so pays to be a nurse sometimes (laughs) (laughs) working your three four days of straight chaos for 18 hours and then you get four or five days off yeah no man yeah so put it into work putting it in already for for this year and uh i haven't had you know, I talked to you the other day, and I said, I, as far as here goes, like mm-hmm. in Central PA, uh, I barely have any. Mm-hmm. And uh, going back home, I do. I've been have a chance to go up there, I think, twice. One time to really mm-hmm. dissect it and get after it with 
and then another time, another opportunity too. And actually the day that, the long day that I was up there, I spent an all day up there. I was in the morning by myself until about two o'clock and then my dad came up and the two of us kind of did some work and projects. And the day of the time spent by myself, I was kind of going around to areas that I haven't hunted up there Mm -hmm. or been around basically. So Mm -hmm. I was kind of checking things out. I called Dimitri and uh, told him some like feedback and of what the, what I was looking for and sent him things. So uh, I'm excited. I, I mean, there were some really good postseason sign or in like from this year that was for sure, uh, you know, created pretty, pretty recently or, you know, obviously like within this past season, but I'm excited. I threw up some cameras and I'm excited to go back in there for summer scouting in those areas to throw in a cell camera or two, just to kind of see what the tabs are going on for that. Just, you know, just because it's not easy for me to get home uh, and check those. So that's, that was my kind of, scouting i mean if i could get out more i wish i could have and would have uh you and i went a couple times uh here so i i do backtrack and when i said i didn't get a chance to do any but i did do one or two with you yeah we did some older you know areas that we've hunted before and then we hit that one new one yeah which i kind of want to dive into further which i think we're gonna have a little bit more time coming up here in the next month or two so you know and a little late to the game but i think you know there's still opportunity to get out there and learn and uh find some of those new spots but i think you know we talked about it before instead of a lot of brand new spots we've kind of dove into the ones that we've hunted before and just got more familiar with them mm-hmm. and kind of getting better in those areas as well yeah i mean that's you always have to go back over the areas you've been and the reason you have to is because you, we all have a tendency to hunt off, um, off of memory. So if you've hunted an area and you had a good hunt, you're going to want to keep hunting that spot. But the good thing is about spring scouting is, is, um, you have that opportunity to go up and down and side to side and really find where the latest sign was this past season. Cause eventually those deer are going to learn where you're hunting and they're going to go around it. Like they're, you know, and it might only be 10 yards, but if it's the 10 yards that you can't see, that's what's going to matter. Right. Um, so, you know, that's really what's, what, what this, this scouting season is to me. And yeah, we do still have, you, you have, you know, it start there's like some areas of getting a little green or whatever, but you still have a really good opportunity to see, to see a lot still. Um, and, uh, you know, it can be a distractor to people that want to shoot turkeys, but, um, this is a re- still a really good opportunity to to find yourself deer. Um, one one of the one of the days I was out in an area, Dermitri, like you're talking, you know, just going over an area that I I know really well. I just was like, I like, there's something I'm missing here. I think I did like, I didn't. It wasn't a far one. I think I did four miles that day, but I did 134 floors. So I was just up and down and up and down and, you know, maybe 200 or 300 feet difference. And yeah, that's really all you need. And you're finding that, oh, like this was what they were using. They were funneling through and I missed them because they were just, you know, that terrain was just right that I couldn't see them or whatever it was. So you bring up, bring up a great point Two two points that I want to touch on when yeah. we went out, obviously not this last, not 
last year turkey season because I only got out that one day with you. But the previous year when we were going around a lot, that was, what, 2020? So that was when we had a bunch of time to get out with it. That I remember just we would go out, we'd get on birds, not get on birds or whatever, and we'd just scout around. And it was. Mm-hmm. We, we It wasn't like lush green I don't I don't think it gets lush lush until like June for around here or like that mid late May. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Type of ordeal. And that was the key thing then the second part of that that I wanted to touch upon. Like when I was at home, the areas that I scouted, like especially the new areas that that I really wanted to check out, that I saw some good sign and everything, I don't think it was late season sign. Do you know what I mean? Right. I, I think it was like prime maybe rut. It could have been that late October. I just really think that could have been just just because of the way the cameras kind of would go off around in that vicinity a little bit uh, and where the deer kind of tend to travel during that time frame. I don't know. I think that was a good thing for me to see as well and just kind of up top to a little bit. I saw just a, a cluster of different rubs and really nice rubs and where they were going in and out of. And I tried to walk through it and I couldn't. Like it was, it was literally impossible for me to get through. And I was like, okay, I either need a machete to get through here or, or what. And as I would break through or walk around, there would just be a massive deer trail. So Mm. it was just, it would almost be like this pocket of just thick, nasty stuff. And around it would be some trails a little bit and some awesome sign. So I'm anxious to see how, how it maps out. Like I said, I threw up a couple cameras, um, I did a mock scrape on on one of the like right off on one of the trails and that's where I put mm-hmm. up the camera and I want to see you know if I could get up there a little bit before it gets chaotic uh like even early June just to kind of refresh that scrape in a sense and throw up a cell camera and just let yeah. it soak I would love to see what what deer travel up there absolutely so yeah man <laughs> so what uh so what did uh your season kind of entail for you for wrapping it up with because you you tagged out what october you were early like with tim yeah october 28th um i i uh i killed my my buck and then i shot a doe in november the rifle season was rough um i don't even i don't even, i think i saw two deer I, I only hunted like maybe three or four days in the rifle three three days in the rifle season um but you know the freezers, the freezers getting a little slim already, but you know, it was, it was good while it lasted. Yeah. And then, so you put in over just about 150 miles. Were you going to like, kind of like what Dimitri said, were you going to normal spots? Did you check out any new ones? And so my, my process in this, in spring scouting is, is like half of it. I love finding sheds. So really that's why I start when I start, but yeah, I mean, and I'll, I'll start, I'll start in mid February probably. And it's because like, yeah, is that too early to find sheds? I don't probably there's some, there's going to be some. Um, but really what I'm doing that for is I'm going to areas that I'm like, they're either new or they're new. And I don't know that they're going to be worth a whole lot, but it's something that I just want to walk through and maybe I don't want to spend a lot of time there or maybe I will. So I'm just, you know, kind of experimenting with that area. So I'll check the new area out. Like, Oh, if this is one I need to come back to. I'm coming back here in March. I'm going to really pick it apart then. Um, but I'm starting at that point in time to, so I can, 
you know, just be able to see some of these areas and see if I'm missing something that like, Oh, like this spot is like, nobody comes here or which I don't really believe in, but like, um, you know, this area has this kind of growth and, you know, it looks like it's some new regeneration, that kind of thing. So it's always worth it to start picking out new spots. And I do that early because the spots that I have time invested in are spots that I want to pick apart more, figure them out. Uh, maybe it's a spot I haven't killed a deer and I really want to, I really want to get it done there. So that's a spot that I'm going to spend a lot more time in. So those are the spots that I'm, I'm getting to later in the season. Um, especially if I think it's an area where like, Oh, deer are going to lose their sheds here. That's an area where I'm going to go to, you know, um, probably halfway through the first week in March, uh, to like the second half or the, you know, the middle of the third week in March. Those are, that's a really great time to find whitetail sheds. So I'll, I'll pick those areas apart at that time because I know like, Hey, I'm going to save this because I know there's going to be antlers there. And usually that works out pretty well. So take us through your process of maybe some of these new areas that you've never walked into. Uh, start from the beginning of obviously a lot of us are checking those out on, you know, aerial maps and, and kind of looking for different features that we might think is good in this new spot and maybe kind of go through what you're looking for on that, on, on the map and, you know, maybe some pins that you're dropping on certain yep. features and then kind of dive into how you pick apart that property once you set foot in it. And, um, you know, you going up, down, you going along ridges, you know, what sign you're looking for, uh, especially on this early on in the, the, um, scouting season. So, um, you know, the first thing you need to look for is terrain. Like, is this the type of terrain you're interested in hunting? Um, and then, you know, we're, we're Pennsylvania boys. So everything is big woods here. Um, unless you got a, a really good farmer buddy, I have a really good farmer buddy. So occasionally I, I go hunt the farm, but I don't need, <laughs> I don't need to map the farm. Um, uh, I mean, should we need some farmer friends? Yeah, you need a farmer, you need a farmer buddy. I have a good farmer buddy. He's a, he's a good dude. Um, yeah, and I've talked about that before and farmland is very different. I've hunted that area my entire life. Um, you know, at this point in time, I, I spend a whole lot more, uh, more time, more time hunting on, on public land. The last three out of the last four bucks that I killed were all in public. And, it, you know, it, there's, there's more room, you know, Private is not always the answer, right? Like that farm gets pounded in the right. Well, half of it gets pounded in the rifle season because, you know, a couple other guys get permission then from the, the, the owner or whatever. And on one of the farms they lease or whatever. And it, it's, it, it really gets a lot of pressure. It's great in archery season. Um, uh, you know, but all my cameras go onto public and I, I think that's mostly because we, we just kind of know how the farm works. He puts cameras there. So I kind of get the Intel from his cameras or, you know, he's glassing the fields in the evenings and stuff like that. So we, you know, get a lot of information from that, but farmland is different in the way that it hunts compared to big woods because there's just, you know, more destination. Like, you know, where they're going to go. If there's an alfalfa field, uh, if there's a bean field, whatever it is, they're, they're going there. 
And if you know how they're getting there, that's really how you hunt farms. And the way they bed is, is a lot different than big woods because they're using that, you know, those different layers. So back from a field, you have the does and you have the bucks and the bucks are definitely going to utilize cover and whatever kind of terrain they can find in that, like, you know, gentle rolling to flat kind of stuff. But when you're talking big woods, um, you don't have a destination like you might on a farm. And, and in reality, you do have that. So if you're talking about destinations, you can automatically assume that, um, you know, in big woods, clear cuts and flats are like large destination food sources. Flats are not really ideal, um, ideal places to hunt. You might get some does there in the early season if you have find a white oak flat. But if you put a camera there, you're probably going to get a lot of nighttime pictures of bucks. It's a good place to find their sheds when you're hunting. So it's a good, a good starting point to, to back out from. So if we're talking terrain, you can look for those flats. Um, but you can assume that bucks aren't going to be betting near that. And you're probably not going to kill a buck on a flat, you know, in, I mean, you, you know, if you don't have standards, that's fine. You probably can kill a young buck there. Uh, plenty of people are happy to do it. I'd be happy to do it at, at some point in my career, hunting, whatever, I, I was happy to do that too. So, you know, by all means, you feel feel like you you set a goal and that's the kind of goal you want to go for, then, then do it. Um, so Big Woods, um, I'm looking at terrain first. So I'm going to look at all the main points. I'm going to look at all the main saddles. Those are places that are also going to get a lot of people pressure unless you, you know, live in a pretty rural area. But those are those are going to be areas where people are going to go. But it's also a good area to start picking the sign apart and following it back to where you want want to hunt. Okay, so if we're talking about main ridge points. Um, I'll send you. I guess we talked about. I'm going to do a little. Yep. a little blog post on this and then, yep. um, you know, we'll get, we'll get you guys these points. Um, so we'll call this, uh, I'll just start calling these figures at some point. So we're going to call this, um, we'll call this figure one. Um, so what I'm looking at here is a, uh, I'm looking at a saddle here and this piece of public that we're going to pick apart a little bit is um, a lot of these features are really easy to see on here. Um, So this is a saddle. Uh, You can, you can kind of see that it, it is what it's described as there's a like kind of a flat spot in the middle of two, two, what I would call hubs. Um, You know, one main ridge and one small hub. Um, but right in the middle of this point that I sent is a clear cut. So this saddle is, is a, is a cut, right? So this is probably a, a reasonable destination type of food source that you're looking for. Um, this cut, you can't really tell ages per se, but this cut is probably still huntable. Um, you can see through this cut, there's, uh, still some, uh, mature trees that they left for seeding in it. 
Um, if you zoom in on it, you can kind of see little logging paths that go through it. Um, those are good ways to get into a cut if you're interested in hunting in the middle of the cut. Um, those are things that you can, you know, really, you should really take your time getting into. Um, but if you have a really good access through that, um, those are things that deer will use to funnel through a cut. Um, I've talked to about around the edges of this cut, there's probably a trail that runs the whole, whole length of it, unless there's some kind of uh, barrier that would keep deer from going, you know, like a big uh, rock outcropping or something like that, that would keep deer. They would go around that. That would actually be a good place to hunt that uh, what we would call ring trail. Um, Cause they'll always go around that, that barrier. Um, so this, this is, you know, this wouldn't be a good, a bad place to start. You can also see there's a, a pretty new cut that runs that whole, this whole road that goes along the series of saddles going out to the east from this, uh, northeast rather. Um, what I marked there. And then the next thing you have along this ridge line is you have three creeks that are um, to the east of this. They all kind of look like they have a bowl. Those are good areas to hunt in between these points because the, the bucks are bucks will bet on points like this. Now, again, I, this there's a road right here. These points are probably, they're pretty obvious. Um, so as you get used to map reading, you're going to want to avoid being on really obvious points because they're not going to, your real your mature bucks are probably not going to be betting on those at times you're going to be hunting them. They're probably going to be there at some point. So they're really great places to put cameras as long as you don't think they're going to get stolen. Um, so, so you have these tops of these creeks um, where these creeks run in. That's a really great place um, to take advantage of thermals. Um, Cause if you have a thermal that's running through there, and uh, you're hunting there in late October, that water is going to be super cold. And most of the time, if you're sitting directly over the creek, uh, that, that thermal is going to suck right down that creek. So if you know that buck is bedding on the end of these points, you're hunting the crossing that goes across the top of these creeks. Um, it's a really great place. Uh, it's a really good place to, um, to catch them for, especially during the rut. That's a really great rut funnel. So I'm going to call that one, you know, figure two um, for when we do this blog post. If you guys are yep. listening to this when we do that, you can kind of follow along then. Um, the next thing that I want to point out from this ridge system, do you guys have any questions about that? No. Pretty, pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um, this is an outline of something that I like. So this is a little more obscure, not too much. It's if you look close enough, it's pretty fairly obvious. Um, what I just sent you is an area uh, is just kind of like a line area. We'll call that area one. Um, this area almost looks to me like it's probably somewhat of a ditch. There's no Creek running through it, but I bet you, if you went there, there might be some seepage in it. But you see how like the, the contour lines kind of fold a little bit. They make a point down towards the, uh, the North, the North uh, or the Southeast corner of that um, area. They make little points. 
and in the middle of it, it looks like a crease. Um, there'll be a lot of crossings in there, and there's actually probably um, probably three or four different little uh, secondary points on that. They're kind of hard to see, um, you know, because it just looks like something that just kind of looks like light curvy lines or whatever. Um, but those will be betting points that bucks are gonna, like mature bucks are going to prefer. Um, well, in that, another, in that point uh, on that mm -hmm. area that you have mapped out there, I also noticed there's a little bit different in the color of green versus kind of some of the landscape around it. Is that something else that you were looking for as far as different colors and kind of seeing that different um, vegetation around on that ridge? Yeah. So there, there's a good chance that that's that darker, that darker green that you see, like kind of right through the middle of that area, that could be pine. It's hard to tell, right. You know, the way some of these maps like aerial maps are depending on what time of year it was, it's hard to tell exactly what vegetation it is because everything is so green in this picture. Um, but to me, that that looks like it might be some pine right through the middle of it. But yes, you will have um, kind of like a soft edge on that uh, that eastern side of that, kind of where you can see some of that yellowing. The trees are a little bit on the yellower side, and then they get dark kind of in the middle. So yeah, um, there probably is a soft edge to that. Um, but I usually, I usually start with just a terrain map and then I'll, I'll go to, um, like a hybrid layer and then, uh, you know, look at it without contour lines at all. So I can see the, the, um, the vegetation. Cause then that gives you three, like it has this, it has this and it has this, I'm going there first. Um, but as far as like those folds, that's that's what I'm looking for as far as terrain is base is 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 concerned. And you can see if you look at some of those creeks, they all have it, right? The more pronounced they get, um, the more drastic the points will be on them, and the more likely you'll have bucks that are using that to either travel on or bed. And usually those ones that are um tighter folds like that or tighter waves, um will be pretty steep. So there usually is a pretty hard trail that goes along those that run, that run up and down the creeks. Um, you can see from this whole property that this place has been cut a lot. Um, there's a lot of old, you know, I wouldn't call them unhuntable cuts because I, I, really every cut has some kind of value, whether they bet along it or they travel along it, whatever that happens to be. Um, send you this cut up here. This to me looks like a, a brand spanking new cut. Send you that. And we'll call this um, figure three. All right. So this is, this is a brand new cut. This one's pretty easy, uh, you know, to go pick apart and scout. A clear cut this size is really overwhelming when you get there. It looks not that overwhelming on a map, but that is a lot of ground to walk over. And it's going to be, it could be a lot of really grassy stuff, whatever, whatever the vegetation is in. Let's say it's thorn, you know, red briar um, in three years. If this is, if this, I don't know when it was done, but whatever time of year this picture or when this picture was taken, it was a pretty brand new cut. 
you can tell because the edges of all the the mature trees that they left are very defined you it looks like you can see the ground in it but this is just going to be chock full of weeds grasses probably at this point in time this picture is probably five years old i bet but um uh you know grasses um thorns whatever it happens to be all that underbrush it's going to be a lot to go through and there's going to be deer trails through it like crazy most of the time because that stuff is pretty easy for them to uh you know to 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 tamp down and and make a trail through it they could right. go through it twice and make a trail so what i what i like to do is i kind of like you can see this the big network of logging roads um the main I'll call it the main vein of the logging road where you can kind of see where they were bringing logs in and out. Um, you're going to walk, walk down that. And as you get towards the end of it, you can see like the logging road, the, the roads get a little bit more faint and they branch out a little bit more. Those are really good areas to um, assume that bucks might be using some of those logging roads or, or deer in general. Um, so those are good places to kind of check out to see if they're using those roads um, or, you know, using them part of a way and getting off them to bed. Um, this, this cut, as far as the terrain goes, is basically on a really long tapering point. Towards the end of it kind of looks a little on the flat side, so they probably bed on the, uh, the northeast rim of this, um, as, well as, as well as the south, as, you know, the... the uh, the south the southern part of this cut as well um bucks will, well deer will also bed on some of these points um there's a peninsula in this cut we'll call it figure four um you can uh you can use these like peninsulas that shoot out into a swamp okay i hunt, i like to hunt clear cut clear cuts like dan infall talk, talks about a swamp um now this one doesn't, you know, they talk about like Oak islands and stuff like that. This doesn't have that. Um, but this kind of would, especially when this cut gets a little older, this, um, little point right here is going to leave, um, a lot of room for a buck to be able to see out into this mature timber and then jump right back into that cover, uh, into safety. And then the same thing goes for the big rounded, um, rounded point that's to the to the west of that um so this is a pretty new cut this is worthwhile don't don't freak out trying to shed hunt a place like this if you're going to walk through this to look for sheds it is really hard to find sheds and clear cuts mostly because of the vegetation and because you just if you don't grid search it there's almost yeah. it's almost impossible to find yeah. anything in those but as far as cyan goes these are really good good places um to uh you know, if you find that deer aren't using that point right now to bed, it's a really great place to um, to get up into a tree and just glass and see where they are coming out into the, you know, if you're going to do an observation sit. Um, this would be a really great place to hunt for two days. Uh, you could sit on the end of that point, glass where they're coming out, and, and go kill them the next day. Um, you know, just you know, kind of learn, learn, learn about what they're doing. We don't have a lot of opportunity to glass in PA, right. you know, there's, there's just so much, so much mature timber. So when you get the opportunity to do it, you know, keep in mind that if you do get an op op opportunity to observe from this and then this cut gets too, 
thick for you to be able to see a deer, you're going to have a really good idea of where they were, what they were using previously. Cause deer are going to use clear cuts the same way for a long time, especially once they start to grow up, they're really going to hone in on those funnels that they can get through. Cause these things get, you know, you know, they get impassable almost. Now you were, let's just go back. So that point that you just yep. said, if, if, you know, you observe a, a buck in that area, mm-hmm. how are you accessing that to get in there to kill them? Are you going down that, that vein? Yeah. So you see this, that main vein has a, um, a branch that goes to the left and through that little channel. Yes. You could access it that way, but you really have to, you really have to just think about what the wind is doing. So if you have bucks that are bedding, um, if you know bucks are betting on that point, you're, you're going to want to base on how he's going to leave that bed and then, you know, and, and base how your wind is going to be going to him. He's going to be using the wind to his advantage all the time, betting on something like that. Cause that to me is probably a wind based, uh, a wind based bed. Um, so this is a good place to hunt a buck on just an off wind. And what I mean by that is like, um, let's say that buck is, uh, let's say that buck is, um, betting there on a, uh, let's say he's betting there on a, uh, a North wind. So the wind is coming over his back and going into the mature timber. Um, you would have a hard time going up that, that vein and trying to get down that road. But if you have a north wind and you come into this, see there's that road that says uh, it's North Wolf Road? Yep. You come in from that direction and you get out into the cut and you can find a way. It looks like that road, it looks like there's some boulder like rocks at the end of that road. If you can get across that, actually that road looks like it, that logging road kind of looks like it hits the edge there. If you can go from that direction and get up that road, if the cover is good enough and you can get up that road, you could get to just his Northwest. Right. So you're hunting kind of just an off wind. So if he's coming up out into that cut straight out of that point to feed on that uh, Northwest side, it's kind of a crosswind for him, but that wind isn't, isn't completely out of his advantage. So he can kind of walk with the, with a little bit of a crosswind out into the cut. Um, if this cut is, is new, like it appears to be on the picture, um, you know, they'll come out into those cuts in the, you know, early season evening, you know, what, what, yeah, that's not always true, but let's just say if it's a typical, early season evening and you've got some like let's say you have like poke berries or red briar that they're eating the leaves off of or something um that would be a good place to hunt him on an off wind because if he comes out of there on a north wind and 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 you've gotten to that northwest part of that point you could be completely out of his nose at that point because he's already behind you when he gets out of that bed mm-hmm. so that's how i would you know, kind of approach that, but you have to, you have to just think about how they're bedding, how they want to leave the bed, what they're, what they're doing there. Now are you using camera Intel? So you basically, 
found this spot, e-scouting, you go in there, you put some boots on the ground, you, you find where that good bedding is. Then mm-hmm. are you implementing your cameras in different positions to kind of gain that intel of maybe how he's using that clear cut and entering it and exiting it? Absolutely. So, you know, what I'm what I'm describing to you here isn't really unlike one of the one of the spots that Troy and I had at uh, Troy Dietrich, our yep. uh, our buddy over there, name drop at Dietrich's Outfitters. <laughs> blow, blow him up. Yeah, blow him um, up because that boy got light a, him up, dude. Light him up because that boy's new uh, house is like I uh-huh. didn't get. A, I haven't had a chance to tell you this. I'll tell yeah. you later. I mean, technically, he's kind of like a farmer buddy. You know? Yeah, he, yeah, he's now our farmer buddy. <laughs> he is now our farmer buddy, Dimitri. There we go. Because every time I ask someone around here, I'm like, "Hey, you got a farm?" They're like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Hey, like any chance me and a buddies could?" They're like, "Nope." I'm like, "Thanks." He sent you that picture of his nephew. Yes. Found like five sheds and yes. Couple hours, where yeah, you know, knucklehead. Anyway, um, this is not really unlike a place that we had a lot of bucks on, and they were out, um, uh, you know, picking that summertime stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were in there into the first week of October, and I actually we've decided that I don't really know which buck I saw. The one I think I saw, I still think I saw it, but I'm not sure. Anyway, we found this, <laughs> we found this spot. Had they were eating a lot of this, you know, summertime weedy stuff in the uh, in the clear cut. We had two, we had two or three cameras, you know, kind of in this area, and we I know we had added one or two because um, we got so many great pictures on the one, the first one that we hung that we were like, oh, we should really kind of figure out how they're they're going through this. So that was one strategy. Um, Dimitri to your question was, is like we had a camera there. We hung it in June. We checked it in July. It had a ton of pictures on it of really good velvet bucks. And, you know, I had gone back in there. I hung a cell camera and I hung another, you know, regular camera to try to figure out how they were moving through that part of the cut. Um, what we assumed was is that it would get better as the season went on, and that was not the case. That was um, they were out eating that that summertime browse pretty often. So I had gone into um, kind of a secondary area. The wind was the wind was weird. It was. Um, you know, not something we thought was a great win for the areas we like to hunt. And I was like, well, we have a camera down here. We haven't checked, you know, we hung it in August and we didn't check that one yet. So I was like, why don't I just, it was October 6th. I was like, why don't I just go in there? I'll hunt this little ditch that we had this camera on, um, you know, kind of a, a kind of a burner hunt, but it was still worthwhile. Cause they're, you know, good, they're good sign in there or whatever. And, um, I had, I think I, I might've told this story on here, but I had a buck. Um, I had some does out feeding in these, these white Oaks that were on either side of the strip of cover that I was kind of this ditch that I was sitting in. And, um, you know, right before dark, I, uh, I could hear deer making a scrape. And then I saw, you know, I saw a tree swaying and it was rubbing the tree and then the deer started to cough. And, you know, just that deep, like, I was like, oof, 
That's big. So I snort wheezed at the deer and he came running up, was making a scrape almost within, like I could see his feet and I could see the trees moving and stuff and I could hear him making a scrape, but I couldn't see him. And I'm like, come out of there. Cause if he only had to take, you know, maybe three or four steps and I would have been able to see him and shoot him where he was. Um, but he didn't come out and these does ended up catching his wind because his wind was coming straight into my face. And when they caught his wind, they, they jumped back a little bit and he heard them and ended up scooting out of this cover out, out to about 80 yards. And then I could see him cause he was over with these does that I was watching in this white Oak, uh, in this white Oak area, you know, 80, hundred yards away. And he was, he's probably a 130 inch eight pointer. Whatever deer I saw was about 130 H eight pointer. And the one that I think that it was is also 130 H eight pointer. And, um, it turns out that he never came in. He ended up chasing these does up the hill. And that was, that was that. So this was October 6th. I've never seen, I, I don't, I'm not really an early season hunter. I'm like that mid October, late October. I like that, that time frame a lot. Um, but it ends up turning out that, uh, we had the deer that I thought we saw on camera the evening before at 6 PM. So, you know, whatever time it gets dark at what seven fifteen at that yeah. time of the year, he was on camera at, at, at 6 PM on that camera that was on the inside edge of that clear cut came out to feed on, you know, that, that summertime browse that was still kind of left over. So yeah, as far as the camera placement goes, yeah, I should have been in that spot. And, and honestly, the wind, if I would have been in the area where he came out of the woods from the wind would have been perfect for it. And it would have been a nice open, clear chip shot. But that happens to everybody. You know, we miss them by a day or whatever. Well, did you really miss them by a day? Because if you were there, you don't know what would have happened. He could have winded you before even, you don't know. Right. Which is why half the time we probably sit in a spot that deer probably would have gone through there, but figured out that we were there and we didn't know that. That might be what happens a lot of the time. But um Maybe I saw, maybe it was the same buck I saw. Either way, they were in there using that summertime food and they were back at, you know, it, that flow went away. You know, after that first week in October, we didn't have a lot of great pictures again until about, you know, the second or third week in October, end of the second week, third week in October. Then we started to get some pickup again because you have, uh, you know, the changing food that's in that cut, you know, right. you know, some of those red oak trees started dropping and the whites were gone or, you know, maybe they were interested in some of that red briar for the cover that they were, they were looking for. Um, but yeah, so the, the camera strategy that we had for that cut was kind of just to add on to what we knew. Um, and I, and, and we should have hunted that we, we would have killed some, some bucks in that, in that cut had we ahead had we had gone off the data that we got from the camera and it's hindsight. Like you look at that and it's like, well, it's kind of open in some of those areas where they really use it. I mean, there's plenty of cover to hide them though. So you really have to, you know, deer don't need a lot of cover to hide in. Right. 
um, you know, if it's, if it's as tall as their belly, they can hide in it. Well, you know, you aren't, they're not nervous about that kind of thing. So now is there anything which, when you're looking at a map, I think the hardest thing is we see a lot of people talk about pinch points, funnels and people, especially in PA or you hunt the big woods, that's really hard to find on a map, right? Is there anything that you're looking for? Maybe it's like a kind of topo lines or whether it's something you see on the, maybe the hybrid view that's kind of, uh, you know, it's not going to tell you the whole story, but maybe guide you in an area that you might look for that. I know, you know, cause people throw that around so much, but you know, hunting the big woods and the mountains and, you know, it's really hard to kind of find that area a lot of times even when you're just putting boots on the ground is there anything that you're looking for uh kind of in that aspect yeah um the easiest thing to to find a pinch point on is a is a uh is a ridge line um but you know i was talking about about those folds in the creeks i'm going to send uh, a one that's a little more defined this is another area We'll call this, what are we on? Area two, right? Yeah, area two. Area two, figure five, and figure five is the next figure I want to show you. All right, so this is area two. So this is one of those, um, what I'm telling you about, like how the creeks fold and make a lot of points. This one is is a little bit more obvious. There's probably a crossing. These are going to make little ditches, okay? And they're going to be a lot deeper than they look on the, the topo. Um, these little folds right here, there's probably going to be, you know, four or five little points, different points, you know, either bedding points or they're going to cross, they're going to cross those really, uh, in a pretty defined way. So that is a really good pinch point. The other, the other thing is, is the top of that Creek is probably also a really good pinch point because they, it's going to get flat across the top of that Creek. Um, before that creek starts to erode the uh, the side of the hill or the mountain there or whatever, so those are really good what what I would call pinch points, and you have to really pay attention to the cover too. But that's where you're you're because this could be completely the one thing about map reading is is I could go here and it could be complete shit. Um, you make good educated guesses based on the train and the cover that you think that you see, but you have to go there. I mean, if you're out of state hunting, you know, you do the best that you can, you go there. If it sucks, just move. Like don't waste your time there because you have other places that you can find and you're eventually going to get one right. So the cover is, is going to be the king. I'm telling you if that's a pinch point or not, but that you see that dark contour that dark contour line yep on the edges of that where it makes like little um you know points they're not well the points are going the different direction but um there will be a pretty good up and down trail that goes along you know it graduates from each fold to each fold they'll they'll probably be a pretty hard trail that go that follows that edge of that creek um, and you'll actually have like a little, uh, you know, military crest there that, that drops down into that Creek. Cause that looks fairly deep to me. 
And again, you won't know this until you get there. Somebody probably hunts here and he's like, ah, you'll find at least three tree stands and yeah, two trail cameras yeah. set up. <laughs> now I would say you probably, it's not far from a road, right? But you're probably less likely to find a tree stand that low unless somebody is uh, knows what they're doing. Yeah. Because, you know, that's less than halfway from the top. And everybody knows that the, the deer only spend all their time on the uh, the top third of the hill, right? So... <laughs> um, here is... Uh, I'm going to say this is figure five. Okay. This is something else that you can look for. Um, this is an older cut. So you can look for this in new cuts too. Um, all right. So this is a, uh, an older cut. It might still be huntable. And what I, when I say older, if the, if you get th this, this cut could be brand new, it could be 20 years old. When you get there, you're going to know because the, you know, just take a look at the branches on the trees. If those buds that are on the end of those branches are too, you know, above six feet, you're probably not going to have a lot of brows for those deer to, to eat on unless there's a lot of random undergrowth like the, uh, like red briar that goes through it. So if you find a old cut that still has that red briar fern, that kind of thing still growing on the inside of it, it's still valuable, right? Um, if you've got nothing under that deer are still going to travel through those, um, especially during the rut those bucks like to be able to see the does but they use those as cover um and I'll, I'll give a little tidbit on that in a minute but um they'll still use the edge of those cuts to bet on but this figure number five that i sent you yep you can see there is a real defined line of mature trees that goes there you see that yep like kind of like right in the middle there yep yeah so Deer, there's probably going to be a trail on the top and the bottom of those trees. The nice thing is, is there is a uh, kind of a downward curve in those trees. I'll send you, I'm going to send a little line. I'm going to make a little line through this too. Um, there's a nice curve in these trees and you can use that to your advantage for the, for the trail that goes through the top or the bottom. So if you have a, um, you know, maybe a north-northeast wind and that buck is coming at you from the west, that wind is going to be just off enough where it's coming down that curve. And when he comes out of that, that end of that curve, he's going to be completely out of your wind. But he's almost going to think that he's into your wind with a north-northeast wind. Um, and you could do it you know, the opposite way too. Um, that curve is what's really going to help to keep your wind out of his nose, but make him think he's walking into the wind and have an advantage there. Um, the thing about that I was saying about old cuts and, and then using it for cover is I'll, you know, I'll use a, uh, a story. There's an old cut on a ridge that I like to hunt. And, um, there's a point on this ridge, a, a very large main point that now has lots of people on it. Um, my buddy was hunting this point the one day and he saw all these bucks. Um, it was a rut hunt. We were hunting, it was November 4th 
and I had a really great sit. I saw two really great bucks and a couple small ones. And um, for me, it was an observation sit. They were 80 yards down a ridge. I couldn't get them off the does that they were chasing. But I walked down there, saw the trail that they were using. I'm like, next time I'm hunting here. I, I didn't walk down far enough to actually see the trail, but I could see the part of the bench they were using. And that, that was a mistake too. Um, but at, so I, I go back up to the top of the ridge and I take the, the road out and I pass this old cut. And right before I got to the edge of this old cut, a buck and a doe were bedded in the, uh, like the diversion ditch along the edge of this road. And they both jumped up and it's a, uh, I don't know, three and a half year old eight pointer, a real nice eight pointer. I was ready to shoot him. And I drew my bow and he's like 40 yards and he's in this old cut and it is wide open. Like I could see him like he was standing next to me, but I couldn't shoot him because there's all these, you know, three inch thick to four inch thick saplings everywhere. And every time he would move, I thought like, Oh, now I'll get a shot. Oh, now I'll get a shot. But there was always some kind of sapling in the way of his vitals. And he, I mean, I, I watched his deer for two minutes. He was just standing there looking at me like, you know, bobbing his head back and forth, up and down and snorting. Like he knew I was there, but he wasn't afraid because there's no way I was getting a shot through there. He would have been screwed if I had a gun, but <laughs> you know, they know that they know that that, that cover is, is good enough. And he literally just walked away, didn't run nothing. He just, the doe, the doe kind of meandered down the hill and he just walked away after her. Yeah. You know? Um, so that's one thing about old cuts is you can't, you know, after he left, I like took a look and there was a like tore up rub line going directly the way he went. So they're dead. They definitely travel through those areas. So you can't just write them off because there's nothing there to eat. You know, there's probably something to eat on the other side of it. You just have to go walk through it and see. Yeah. So you can't write those off because um, they're they're worthwhile too. I like it, man. I yeah. I'll tell you what, though. I mean, I I just learned a lot just because clear cuts. I could say are honestly, are like new to me in a sense of because I never really had to hunt one growing up. And over the yeah. last couple of years, it's not like something where I'm going out and looking, but just from listening to podcasts and talking to people and learning more about them and, and mm -hmm. you kind of walking through that. I mean, that was really, really fun actually to go through. And I'm excited to, I'm hoping, like you said, like throwing the figures, throwing this on there and, and for people to follow along, that's going to be helpful, I think. Yeah. Yeah, because I think a lot of people, we've had several. I mean, we talked about it last podcast of mm -hmm. just the, the one word. I think it was made with Tony Peterson, too. I, yeah. I mean, Clear Cut has been just every podcast we've talked about scouting has come up, uh, the term. And, and it's very important, especially in this area where there is so many clear yeah. cuts, especially on state game lands and, and public land. Um, but I don't think people do enough of explaining of how they utilize the clear cut and what they're looking for. And, you know, cause I mean, they, these are big areas and you can get overwhelmed with, you know, 
a lot of times you're not going to be able to put that full boots on the ground and dive into a lot of it. So you got to kind of dissect it of where you want to key on your focus when you, when you're out there scouting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the one thing that that's about clear cuts now is they are gaining, like you said, it, it is like a word on every Pennsylvania hunter's mouth right now. So they are gaining a lot of, um, good job, Aaron. Yeah. They're, <laughs> <laughs> they're gaining a lot of popularity and um they're really to me they're still worthwhile hunting but you still have to take everything that you scout like you know the scouting for people is kind of cliche but it's true right like if you're going to walk into a clear cut and there's all kinds of people sign you can and you put a camera in there and you get dark pictures of bucks don't hunt there don't not hunt there, right? Like you don't want to hunt where you're going to get people pressure and nighttime pictures. So back off of it a little bit. If you have all these great bucks on camera at night, well, they're somewhere and they're not going to be that far away. You just have to backtrack from there though, because um, you're going to be real disappointed if you go into a cut and it's, you know, full of people. And you have and and you're still getting great pictures of bucks. You're going to get frustrated. You have to. You, you got to be a detective at that point in time. Right. Now here's a question that I want to ask, kind of like to kind of wrap up the whole spring scouting and and all that type of stuff for you. You talked about on that podcast you did with Clinton Tom. Uh, kind of like the area and the process, and because the three of you all have history up there. Mm-hmm. I remember you saying about 30 plus scrapes. I mean, yeah. I like when you got, like when you said that, my mind went, Phew. you know what I mean? Just because it always seemed like we would hear that word and we would find some here and there or like right before the rut or during the rut, we would pop up and see some. But I feel like this past year we found a ton or a good amount of, of, of scrapes in general. Mm-hmm. Where, where are you normally finding those on on in your areas like when you're going out hunting because like how you said like you were just like scrape 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 like was it just like from cluster of rubs like on a rub you'd find a scrape how how are you doing that or finding so well what one thing is is this is where the up and down comes from right like if you're going back to that area and picking it apart spend that time going up and down because you're going to find that elevation where they prefer to do that in and I'm going to tell you that the scrapes that you find too close to the edge of a clear cut are not the ones that you're going to kill a buck on. You're going to get great pictures on them, wonderful pictures. You're probably not going to kill a buck on it. Um, the buck that I killed this year was Troy and I fondly deemed it the, the TIS, it's the, the tucked in scrape. Yep. Right? I found it when it, I found it the day that Troy and I actually met and I was, I was shed hunting. I walked the edge. I walked one of those kind of folded points that I was talking about that go across the Creek. And I was walking the edge of, um, a trail that ran along kind of like that, that, you know, crest of that ran over into the Creek. And I was following that trail and I found, uh, a, you know, like a 50 inch antler. And I was like, Oh, that's a good one. It was, it was a year from the previous year, but it was still in good shape. And I was like, Oh, that's a good one. 
I followed that trail and I cut up onto the hill from where this trail was and I followed the trail that went up the hill and I found another one that was another 50 some inch shed. Oh, that's a good one. That was also from the year before. But as I started to go along, I started to find where they were digging the ferns up and fern bulbs and stuff and eating that. And I found another, another nice shed. And when I found that shed, I was like, Oh, there's a scrape. And I was like, Oh, that's nice. Took a picture, you know, whatever. And as I'm going along, I find another one. So when you find a second one, you kind of just need to do circles in that area. And once you get your third one, you got a line. So follow it because you're going to go. And, and honestly, that line went straight towards the clear cut. Um, there was a pocket of cover between where I found that last antler and the cut. And it was really it would have been impassable except for the deer had been using it for so long that there's a perfect trail that goes through this cover. And, uh, you know, there's a couple, a couple intersecting trails that come into it as well. And there's a scrape right in the middle of it and a small little water hole that's next to the scrape. So we had put a camera on that and got all of our target bucks on it. The one that I killed, the one that Troy had filmed a few years ago, um, we had, and the one that I thought that I saw, I mean, we had all these deer on that camera all the time. So it was, you know, one of their main routes, that's a scrape that you're going to want to hunt. But the important thing is, is when you find those one or two scrapes and you're kind of like, Hey, you know what? Like maybe it's going to do something. You got to make some circles until you can put a line together. Cause making a lot, making the line is important. Um, it's not like a rub line, like a scrape is something that they're always going to come back to, right. especially if it's open, they might come back to a rub line. It is an area that they're using. So if you find a fresh rub line in September, you got to go to it. Um, but as far as scrapes go, like that's something they're coming back to. So you gotta, you gotta spend time doing circles in that area. Hell yeah, dude. Now when you're, when you're hunting a scrape, you know, is, if you don't have a camera that, like a cell camera, not everyone's going to have a, that cell camera to give them that up-to-date at that instant intel of when that buck's hitting it, if he's daylighting. If you don't have that, when are you hunting a scrape? Are you waiting for the cold fronts? Are you waiting for the rut? You know, how would you go about hunting that, that scrape? If you found a good one, you found the line, you know how to hunt it. When are you going in there to sit on that scrape? Okay. So this, this particular scrape that we had, um, can be productive in the early part of the season because it had a water source next to it and they were using it often. Um, so we didn't have a cell cam on that scrape. It, when the foliage was heavy, we didn't really have good reception in there. Or we didn't have any reception in there. And I, you know, we assumed that we wouldn't get, um, a cell camera to work in there, which Troy ended up hanging one on it. After I killed my buck, he ended up hanging one on it and it, it did get reception. But so we hung that camera in June. I checked that camera in July and I, I wanted either Troy or I checked it. I think that's all we, we might've checked it in August. Oh yeah. He and I went back in August and we checked it in August, but it was always spread out by a month. Um, 
and I always had a thousand or more pictures on that camera. I was doing uh, two shot bursts with like a 10 second delay and they weren't actually hitting the scrape a lot during the summer. They were more on the water. Um, they would sniff the scrape, hit the licking branch and walk out. So I would always have a lot of pictures on that camera. Um, and, uh, you know, we could hunt, we could hunt two sides of it because the way this cover went, it was kind of like a, uh, like a strip. Um, and I could hunt two sides of it. And Troy actually hunted it on the first day and had does kind of skirt around the edge of him. But then, you know, he had to cut out early that day because his, uh, his bow mishap and all that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was a rough day. Um, Cause that's a, that's a hike back there. It is. It's, yeah. it's uh, all together. It's three and a half miles. I think three and a half or four miles. It's, it's far. Um, when I killed my buck, I was hunting one side of it and, you know, basing it off the wind and that the buck that I killed was on, we checked the camera, obviously after I shot it, I was hunting 40 yards from the camera. I couldn't see it because, you know, I was hunting on the outside edge of the cover. And the reason I was hunting on the outside was, as I was hunting one of those, um, intersecting trails that was leading into that. And, um, cause I could shoot to the main trail or I assumed I could shoot to the main trail as I was getting in there in the dark and I hunted one of the trails that was coming out. So I figured, well, you know, we have some pictures of them coming out at this time of the day. So of, of this trail. So that's why I hunted that based on the wind. I would figure when they were coming back from wherever they were, they would go in that intersecting trail and I would be able to catch them, which I was, I ended up being right about. But the buck that I killed was on that camera the day before I killed him. And he was on the main trail. So fortunately, he picked the other one. <laughs> he picked the other one the next day. But he, they had actually made a new scrape on that line. And um, that's the one that they were hitting the morning that I killed him. Okay. That's good. Now, that, I mean, when you're – we could talk off about this more so off air just to, to run you some – things that I found, but going back to last hunting season and going mm-hmm. back to my scouting trip, uh, there is kind of like a wide open shot and mm-hmm. there were three plus scrapes on this wide open shot. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that makes it difficult to me now, this is me. You might get there and be like, Jeremy, you got to do this or, you know what I mean? Just for me to process it going from side to side of this open spot there's just trails about every mm-hmm. 30 yards, I would say. So mm-hmm. it's like, which one are they going to pick? Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, think of like a 60 yards, I would say, maybe to a hundred, a football field. Think of a football field and every 30 yards, there was a scrape and there's big trails. Hmm. And uh, a, one of them a couple years ago, I popped up in off of one where I could kind of hunt that trail but also the big wide open trail as well mm-hmm. and within there as i was up because it just looked really beaten down and kind of where there was a water little hole there was good fresh tracks i'm like okay i'm gonna get up in this so i could kind of shoot the other side and within here and within my side i was just got set up in the saddle and as i was kind of 
looking around a little bit, I was like, well, there's a nice rub off of that trail of an intersecting yeah. trail. Ooh, there's another one off of that intersecting trail. Like I felt like I was in a good spot. I didn't end up seeing anything until actually that night. I did kick up a buck, uh, walking back. And actually my dad, when he was a little bit lower than the ridge, he even saw him just because of the way we were kind of coming together. Uh, right. And he's, he's like, did you just see that buck? I said, yeah. And, um, you know, I know I, I, I did what Dimitri's favorite thing is. I looked down at the ground and put my hand to the, hit the hoof print <laughs> and just saw like, it was a big buck. I mean, I could, yeah. I could tell like just even through the, like my headlamp, he was, he was a big boy. And so I didn't really keen on that area at all. Really this year, I, I did get up in that vicinity, but not in that specific area. I did walk it one time and I did find three doe. I kind of tried to put a spot in stock on, uh, up there cause I did have a tag, but the, uh, yeah, it was just tough, uh, and that's where again I put a little bit more focus in my postseason scouting there last, mm -hmm. like when I talk, told you about that, and yeah. Mm -hmm. So some some things I definitely want to run by you off air for sure, yeah. just because I yeah. think I I think there's some dandies up there. I really do. Yeah, so. I mean, just to comment on something that you said there is like, you know, which trail do I pick and and how do I pick the scrape to hunt? Um. I mean, we all know that scrapes are usually best hunted from, you know, maybe the middle of October to November 1st or something. Let, let's just say that's yep. the window. That's the, that's the window people like. Not every scrape is equal. And what I mean by that is, is whatever makes that scrape better is how I'm going to pick which one I'm going to hunt. So the scrape that I picked with Troy, when I found it, I found a water hole. I found really thick cover. And if I compared it to the line that I was hunting, the line of scrapes, it was the one that was in the thickest, they were all in good cover, but it was the one that was in the thickest cover. And it looked like probably the one that was used the longest, you know, it had like five licking branches and it was kind of bowled out a little bit. And so each element that you can add on to it, water, heavier cover, um, now you add a camera in there and you're getting the best pictures on that one. Um, and you know, we're talking good doe traffic too, right. At certain periods of the season. Cause that's important too. Right. Um, you know, it's not a bachelor pad scrape, you know, if you, if you saw this thing in the summer, you would have thought it was initially, it was going to be a bad, I mean, there were just bucks on it every single day all the time. Like, 8 a.m., 9 a.m., 10 a.m. It didn't matter what time. They were always on it. Yeah. I'm a big fan when I get all those does hitting. <clears throat> I like mm -hmm. that, you know, because then yeah, I, it's, I'd, just, I'd, it's some, just as important. Yep. At some point, a buck's got to say, hey, there's a doe coming through here. But when you're choosing that scrape to hunt at that certain time of year, you know, let's say there's a 50% chance that buck is going to hit that scrape. Well, now there's a 60% chance because there's a water hole now there's a 75% chance cause it's the one that's in the thickest cover. You're upping your chances every time you add something good to that scrape. I like it, man. Good stuff. I'm learning. I'm learning. Good. I like it. Well, do you got anything? No, that was perfect. Mm. I love that Aaron. I, uh, like it? yeah, right. dude, let's, let's, let's talk about that and continue on with that. So I appreciate you doing this. 
I really do. Heck yeah. And and gonna write that up for us and to, for so people yep. could kind of follow along with exactly what you're saying. Um, yep. You know, I'll do a an intro. Stop what you're doing. <laughs> Don't listen just yet. Go to our website and we'll be able to pull up that nice, beautiful article that you'll have to go along with this. So then that way people could follow along with it and dude, that's, that's huge. So I appreciate you doing that. Cool. I know bullhorn. Yeah, no problem. I'm going to try to get, I'm going to get that done tomorrow. I'm going, uh, going turkey hunting yeah. this weekend. Going with the boys, huh? Yeah, we're going, uh, uh, I'm going with, uh, Clint and Chad. We're going to go, um, I think we're meeting. I'm going up on Friday morning to try to listen and they're going to get there Friday afternoon. We're going to do a little scouting and then uh, I'll listen together in the evening and hopefully hunt until, um, I think they're there till Tuesday. So I'm going to try to stay till Tuesday. Sweet. Well, I'm off till, tell them till Wednesday. So tell them both. Done and, yeah, yeah. Tell them both. I said, best of luck and what's up. I shall hopefully get some, pictures of some big old jelly heads <laughs> <laughs> i hope so too man no that's good we uh i appreciate it man we'll we'll uh we'll be in touch and people telling you if you haven't already been following aaron what he's doing definitely go give him a follow so aaron where could people find you locate you and all that type of stuff uh i'm on facebook i there's a couple of other aaron hepplers on facebook so just look for the one that looks obvious there. Um, and it's, uh, it's just, uh, Aaron underscore Hepler, uh, on Instagram. You can find me there. And, um, the writing stuff is all on, uh, the Exodus outdoor gear.com. You can find some stuff on their blog and, uh, on, uh, the truth from the stand.com. I write a lot for, for both of them. So yep. you can find me there. Awesome, man. Well, thank you, dude. I appreciate it. Thanks for everybody for tuning in live for again for this evening. Really love seeing that and uh, love the feedback we, we, we get going with there. So go check out Aaron. And until next time, everybody, thanks again for listening. See you next week. Antler up. That's a wrap for another episode of the Antler Up podcast. Again, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Check us out over at antlerupoutdoors.com. Check out our Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and our Go Wild pages. Thank you again, everybody, for all the continued support. See you next week. Antler Up.